Hello, and welcome to Making Problems to Solve, the podcast about curiosity, creativity, and problem solving. Today, I'm talking to Jeremy Foster. Uh, he's well known as Mostly Accurate on Instagram. How are you doing? Uh, I wouldn't go with well known, but I'm doing well. Uh, nice to be here. Okay. Um, it's kind of a fun, fun way to spend an afternoon. Awesome. Glad to have you here. Uh, thanks for filling in. So uh, the holiday hey, season a is a little tricky, so I got to rely on some my friends. So I hey, it's it. fun. It's fun. It's fun to do. And um, it's kind of saving me the two hour trip to East Durham to talk to another maker. So I, I like jumping on these podcasts and talking. So it's fun. Awesome. I love it. So this is not your first podcast. Uh, technically, it's my second. Oh, OK. <laughs> but what it was else? fun. So. Yeah, um, cool. I was on Working Hands a little while ago. You were, okay. A, yeah, which was kind of fun. Um, but it's kind of cool because I only listened to like three of them on a regular. This one, Working Hands and Making It. So like, awesome. if, I could, if I could just score a, an invite on that one, I'd have the uh, the whole complete set. So we'll see what the future holds. All right. Well, next time you're in East Durham, you just got to infiltrate Jimmy's house there. And then uh, if, you're, uh, <laughs> if you're in his house while he's recording the podcast, maybe they'll let you on. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare grace my or uh, sully that that group of people with my presence. So, yeah, they, they yet, have a pretty good yet. thing. Yeah, they, they, got, they, got they got a good system, nice little routine, and it's consistent. So, totally, totally, yeah. So I was talking with our friend Patty. Um, she says she was your second guest, which I thought was kind of cool, but I don't remember hearing that episode. So I'll have to go back. Oh and, my god! Um, yeah, I'll have to All go right, back well. and listen to that one. So. Right. All right. Well, I'm going to stop this recording, go back and listen to that because she's really great. Um, she's <laughs> a, a really delight. good episode. She's a delight to, to yeah. talk to and work with. So, um, what have you been up Absolutely. to lately, man? What do you, what, what you got the holiday rush going? No, no. I mean, I was trying to print my uh, Why Is It Always in a Basement printing press version t shirt, but somehow I had a lot more failures than successes. But I think I got enough. I got like a couple orders, so I got enough to fulfill those orders. Well, that's uh, cool. Then I'm going to take a break. I think. Did um? Is this your first time doing t-shirts? No, I've been doing it since like 2020. Um, around then, I can't remember. Maybe 2021. Um, yeah. So when Aaron Mattia, um, I made a what did I do? Oh, I made a a drawing of of Jimmy's trucks, and I called it the the rest of rusty truck farm. And I just drew a picture of that. And he suggested, he said, I want that as a t-shirt. So then I said, okay. And I went to Michael's to go buy all the stuff to do screen printing and figured it out. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I remember, I remember that print. I did not know the origin of it. So that's neat. Yeah. I just, um, someone took a picture in front of his barn and there was like three or four of the trucks were all there parked in front of it. So it just was a funny, uh, visual gag and uh he's only accumulated more trucks since then so yeah i mean he does have a slight problem and he, not all of them get um limelight or youtube video so you, every time you go up there you see a new one i'm like what's the story on that one and he's got a pretty good you know tailed story to tell so oh yeah they all have stories for sure yeah, yeah so, so i made t-shirts for uh, you know, Aaron and the guys who were on the Making Fun TV show. And then I just kept having dumb ideas. So every once in a while, I'll come up with a new one. I've not done it, but it's one of those things that every time it pops up or you see a small video on it, you're like, 
man, maybe I want to dip my toes into that, but I am such a collector of partial skills that I don't know if I need to get into the t-shirt making. <laughs> sure. So you do, uh, you have done the block printing though, right? Yeah, I've done block printing. I did a couple of those. Um, sure. I'm not sure what that feedback was. Sorry about that. Um, no. Yeah. Well, if you can do that, you can just print that. You can print right on a t-shirt too. You can use linoleum or the rubber stamp. You can print right on a t-shirt with that. So it's a quick way to get into it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've had a real problem trying to find a good, um, uh, rubber medium for, um, cutting stamps out. Where do you get yours at? Cause like you can't get, just go to like Hobby Lobby and pick it up. Apparently they're all, you can't just get bulk material. No, if you, um, right. If you go to the craft store, you'll probably get like speedy carve, which is kind of crumbly. It doesn't really work as good as the stuff I get. It's called pink carving rubber and you just get it on Amazon. Okay. Okay. That's so good. It's like, <laughs> the I, most I wasn't thing calling you can it, search for. Yeah. I wasn't calling it pink or carving. So yep. I was like, I need, I need material with a density of like six for this, uh, uh, stamp I'm trying to make and Google doesn't know what that means. So, Right. Yeah. I mean, if you are familiar with, you know, the hardness of different types of materials, you can probably search for the specific thing on McMaster car or something, but that's probably prohibitively expensive. Probably. So I would just yeah. go with the Amazon stuff that is, I, I wouldn't put it in a laser or anything heated up or anything like that. Cause I don't know what it's made out of, but it's probably not good. It's probably very toxic. It's probably like nineteen yeah, sixties yeah. rubber that's been sitting around in a storeroom for decades. So, sure. Well, what's um besides the t-shirts? What's your latest um and greatest? What have you been doing? I I, I for some other reason you're I haven't seen a ton of your posts recently. I don't know if I'm just skipping over them or you've been you know dark. Um, I haven't posted a lot. Um, I've just been sharing a lot of stuff on stories, mostly other people's oh. stuff, but um. <laughs> We did the Maker Collab logo swap in November. And, and I did that with that, Ben Klein. Uh, he's uh, he's actually from my hometown, but now he's out in Massachusetts. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we both designed like, I guess like a sign pretty much is what most people made. But it's a, you know, a version of a, an interpretation of your partner's logo. So I did his. His logo has a saw blade and, you know, a log in it. So I took an old uh, chunk of a, you know, log and an old circular saw blade and 3D printed the rest of it and kind of combined all that into a a sign. I see that. I'm, I'm kind of looking at your Instagram right now because I, I don't remember seeing that come through. Is that just um, PLA? Yeah. Um, or you do resin? It's PETG. Okay. It's the same stuff I use to make uh, the piece of Jimmy Duresta's torso for the giant oh. uh, 3D printed <laughs> Duresta. <laughs> the, the and I had some school. leftovers. And it was yeah. the exact right color for his logo. So I got That's really pretty lucky. cool. Yeah. I mean, I was just watching, um, do you know, uh, Tested with um, Added Savage and Norm and all that? Yeah. They're doing their, um, you know, best things, their favorite tools of 2023 and all that. And Norm was talking about how. This year was a really good year for 3D printing and a lot of the um a lot of the printers are becoming more plug and play and usable so you're spending less time building them and tinkering with them than you are actually creating with them and um 
it really it made me want to go over and dust mine off because I haven't I've done like three things this entire year with my printer and I even bought a, a big um, any cubic is the brand I got and it's mm-hmm. a massive like 15 by 20 and I think I printed out some some mounting brackets for zip ties for work and I did that and that was the last thing it's like it's turned into a shelf right now and I think that's the worst thing you can do to a tool is to neglect it so maybe after this i'm gonna go and design something and just get it printing again yeah tools are meant to be used yeah totally and there's even you can just print a lot of little shop things um trying to think of what i was going to print i printed some tools for uh printmaking um for printing uh they're called coins and they're um uh, they're basically used to lock in the type into like an old timey, you know, oh yeah, yeah, printing press. Um, but you know, I don't have any. Um, and you can the one of these guys uh, designed a three D printed version of it, and they're strong enough to do what they need to do. Um, and I, so that's fun. Are they basically that. like unattainium? If you tried buying, you know, new. No, you can get them on eBay. Yeah. There's like millions of them out there. Do Do you get a lot of advertisements in your Instagram feed? Because there's been one for the last week about a laser cut um balsa wood you know a puzzle kit print uh printing press have you seen it yes i saw that that thing's cool i i it's not I really mean, a printing press no if you look it, at well, it, it's a stamp it's, like it's, a, a, stamp. it's an automatic it's a, stamp yeah 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 it's um, cool though but it's kind of cool and it for as complicated it is it is i'm really surprised because i did i didn't chance the website because there's two different advertisements for two different companies with the same product Right. Uh, if, you, if you pay attention enough. So I was like, I don't know. That's probably some kind of scam, you know, um, but it was like $67. And I'm like, that is way too inexpensive for something that that kind of like elaborate. So um, I might pick one up just for the fun of it. I've done that before where I need a like a quick fix project. So I buy one of those kits and just sit down one night and just build it. Just keep my hands busy. I've done uh, recently I did a. I don't know. They're kind of fun. I've done a musical instrument that's kind of a violin type thing. I can't remember what they're called. And I did a giant uh, steel ball museum or uh, amusement park ride. And a uh, ballista. Just like a marble. Like, was it yeah. like a marble run kind of thing? Like marble yeah, exactly. Roller coaster? So, and they're kind of fun. I, I, they're a little easier than doing like a full scale model because it's like you don't really have to do much finishing work. And they're kind of nice little like coffee table, um, coffee table displays. Um, and I'm all about knickknacks. I mean, every 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 inch of every shelf around here's got some kind of little knickknack or keepsake. So yeah. if I can find something I enjoy looking at, and at the same time it gives me a couple hours of busy work to you know to keep my mind going on something, I, I find that a good investment for like a project or a hobby. I don't see that. I don't think you posted this violin thing. What is up with that? Is it? What is it made it, out of? It's it's um it's made of uh the same kind of um I don't know what is that plywood that they cut. Oh, it's just like laser cut, like plywood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's the same thing. It's it's got uh like three strings and it's half piano because you hold down some keys to get different notes instead of like plain frets. And mm-hmm. then on the end, there's a uh crank and a wheel, and the vibration of the wheel. Um, it's kind of like drawing your bow across the strings of a violin. Um, and it's kind of neat and it's got this nice little stand that it sits up on. Um, 
it doesn't sound like music at all. It, it, like you really, it's it's like barely a musical instrument because of how you know Cincy it was created. Um, but uh, I'll I'll share a picture of it later, and uh, you can see it. It's pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's kind of like a sculptural music box kind of thing. Yeah, uh, it's um, I don't know. It's kind of like it's really neat how they um, design them because there's no like screws, there's no glues in them, um, and they use what is basically uh, the springiness of the wood. They cut these kind of like I don't know when I would say slotted uh, wedges. And mm-hmm. they become these little like uh, cotter pins and it's just held together with all that. And there's no, no, like, uh, um, it's like all just slot and tab and it's really beautifully done. And of course, cause it's, you know, laser cut, they can do some nice little filigree work on it and some scrolls and stuff. So it, it turns out to be quite a nice looking display piece, even if it doesn't play music very well. That's awesome. Yeah. I like, that. I think that was one of the first ones. It was one of those ones that, um, I'm so bad about advertising, digital advertising. If I see something enough, I'll I'll convince myself after like the 30th time of seeing it that like maybe I should pick one of those up. So, <laughs> you know, advertisers just keep keep bombarding me with the stuff and I'll eventually buy it. Um and then I like I said, I I hate getting home and it's like, you know, like this time of year where it's dark at five o'clock, you can't really go outside and do much, and you've got like four hours to kill. It's four yeah. hours is like a little, it's just enough to get into trouble, but not enough to finish anything major. So having those little kits around all the time is fun. I do the same thing with like Arduino kits that you can find. You'll find some random little like, um, uh, plexiglass, a uh, laser cut like thing with, a I don't know, like a scrolling, um, text mouth or something. Like I have this little guy that, uh, gives me the weather every day that, um, it just, uh, it was just a little, uh, Arduino kit that you do some, little coding on a little bit of a uh, fit and and you build a little robotic head in his mouth uh, scrolls the local weather you know it's just one of those fun little things i think it took me like an hour to build and i've it's been plugged in ever since i just love those little kits i love those little busy things that you know are are their space fillers you know yeah it uh, it makes sense you know it's a lot of fun little projects um you know and you know it keeps you busy you know same as lego really um yeah yeah, yeah. I'm curious though because not everybody likes following instructions. But it sounds like you follow the instructions. Um, I generally get ahead of the instructions. Yeah, if that kind of makes sense. Because um, once you feel, oh Jesus, there's a whole there's a whole um theory about that. Like I like getting into the the mind of the person that made the instructions. Because in my field, I've had to make like SOPs, um, standard mm-hmm. uh, operating procedures for um, just about the most mundane tasks like mopping the floor or changing out a VFD or, you know, complicated as like doing the whole ladder logic on um, some kind of a sensor array for like uh, detecting shells or pizza shells or whatever. Um, And I always like, it's really hard for me to articulate what I believe was um, kind of common knowledge or intuitive. So when I get a project like this or one of these little kits, and you see either how horrible the person was about, you know, expressing, you know, steps and procedures or how meticulous they are. There are some really good instructions out there and there are some bad ones. Um, and I really get I do I, I do enjoy instructions, but I 
like I said, I usually get ahead of them because once I do the, I analyze their thought process and how they would write an instruction. I'll just assume I know what I'm doing and I'll just jump ahead. So to say I follow the instructions, no, probably not. They're they're there for guidance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In case you get stuck. Um, How often do you go off the rails there? Does it usually work out or do you have to end up doing some backtracking and kind of troubleshooting? I'm not bragging, but I generally don't have to backtrack. I was as soon as you, as soon as you said answered the question, I was trying to or started asking the question. I knew where it was going. I was like, I <laughs> I trying to figure out the last time I had to backtrack. Okay, now different kind of project, but I had to replace a bearing or a, a drive shaft at work a month or so ago. And it was the first time I had done so on this piece of equipment. It's a relatively new line. And I had a little tyrant or tirade on Instagram while I was doing it because it was just the most horribly um, uh, designed or engineered um, conveying system. I mean, it still is. I didn't replace it. It, It's 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 uh, I like dread it every time I walk by it. I get like little um, spike in uh, um, tension because I'm like, I know I'm going to have to open that can of worms up again one day. But um, that one I did because I, I thought it was going to be an I, I put it off for like a week. I thought it was going to be like a, I don't know, 45 minute job because most shafts, you just have to take off a couple of bearings and, you know, the, the the shaft slides out and then you put one the replacement back in and you button it all back up. This one I had to take off cross members. I had to dismantle two other um, belts and rollers to get the bracket that held the roller in place out. I had to use a, a scissor lift to hold up one of the conveyors because the engineers value or the construction guys value engineered out a, um, a set of legs for this one conveyor. So um, it was just it was one of the most backwards things. So I think that'd probably be the last time that without me reading the instructions kind of made me backtrack, I think, because it was just I, I every 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 other turn of a screw or one step forward was. 10 minutes extra work. We had to go and do this other thing to remove a, it, it was, and it was all 15 feet in the air. So it was probably, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. My, uh, I have to <laughs> say that, um, uh, on a side note, it was very fun because my job is, uh, not as, uh, glamorous as it used to be because, um, this is a very new site and it's a very low impact job. So, there's not much going down. Like there's not much breaking. So it was fun getting into an actual problem that I had to, you know, cuss out a little bit. Um, but it was, it was a bad, like, I don't look forward to doing it. I went and counted. I, there's six other, uh, of this conveyor in the system. And I watched them like a Hawk now because I don't want to have to replace them prematurely. I hope it's right. like years down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, now that was a really random rant. Sorry about that. Uh, no, it's uh, all good. Yeah. So, what was the original right. question? Do I follow instructions? Yes. Yeah. Maybe. Sometimes. Right. Not really. Well, like you said, you try to anticipate what the next step is going to be, and you did that while I was asking the question as well. So you're always yeah. like thinking ahead and trying to <laughs> yeah. follow it's, along. There's 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 whole ideologies and, and theories about good preventative maintenance and workflows and and um, thinking of the next step, thinking of the like a god. Jimmy was the one who originally said it when he was talking about tape one day is like, always think about the next guy. And, yep. um, God, there's, there's, there's just whole, th- I, one day I hope to become smart enough to 
have a complete thought and be able to like make like um some kind of like here's my zen way of doing maintenance and mechanical repair because i think about it all the time if i'm not actively thinking about a problem i'm thinking about how can we do this quicker how can we do this safer what would be the way to um what would be the way to re-engineer this part so it doesn't wear out so much um and, and I find I find a lot of joy in that. And like I said, my job is um, not as high. Like right now, it's Christmas time, right? And we're a toy company, and we're shipping out mm-hmm. toy companies. But like tomorrow, uh, I don't know. I don't know if we date this or whatnot. But like the middle of December is when they cut off um, guaranteed shipment dates for packages. Right. So um, we're we're winding down on the end of it, and we've been we've been kind of busy, but it's not that great of a year for the industry the sales aren't that great so um i haven't had to do a lot of maintenance but while i'm keeping the machine running even on a bad day um if we're down for like an hour because like a belt breaks or something um the machine that we have we can clear a backlog of uh work from an hours of downtime in like 10 minutes so there's not the wow. pressure that it was at like um, when I was in the bakery where you're making 180,000 shells an hour and you've got a batch life of uh, for dough at one end that's getting old and it only has like 14 minutes. So back then downtime and uh, problem solving, resolving issues, there was there's a clock ticking and um, I kind of got used to it. You know, it was kind of like an adrenaline rush trying to solve problems in a timely, safe manner. Um that would uh you know limit downtime here it's just the pressure's not there <laughs> like i i know that i i know i'm kind of complaining about having it easy but it's kind of boring at the same time you know so yeah, yeah. i mean that makes sense if you're you know used to problem solving and then you know that's what keeps your you know your brain interested then if you don't have as many problems like you said then you're you know problem solving things that are going to happen in the future like in your head. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm, I'm coming up with like doomsday scenarios about everything. Just so if it goes down, cause the other thing too, is like, um, with a new machine or a new project or a new skill, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Yeah. So every character, every machine, every project, every 3d printer, every hand tool has its own way of achieving a job. And until you use the product enough, you don't know what that is. And this machine, um, uh, maintenance cycle on this is 200 hours roughly. And that's, you know, um, the, the basis. Well, we only run like 43 hours a week during, um, uh, non-peak season. So what would normally be a weekly PM or, a uh, maintenance item is now a month away instead of a week. So this machine is not getting used very often. And, um, it's it's nice, but at the same time, it's like, come on, something breaks just so I have I have something to work on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of well. Maybe that's it. You got to write your your book of advice on uh, problem solving for maintenance mechanics in the downtime. It could be, but unfortunately, my boss um also likes me to do everything else. So oh, okay. um, <laughs> <laughs> so um. Uh, if if um because of my position maintenance is uh uh mechanical maintenance and uh what i what domino's called a field engineer um we're kind of the unwanted uh stepchilds of the relationship right we're 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 a necessary evil um because mm-hmm. a lot of times we stand around and watch a machine work 
You know, we're yeah. there. We're, we're, we're like a fire department or police department. We're good yeah. to have on hand, but you don't really want to see us running. Um, so <laughs> yeah. when, when, um, when I'm not running, uh, my boss has me doing some of the most random stuff. Like the other day I had to, I had to deliver up to Connecticut the other day, four empty shipping pallets to the home office. That was my wow. entire day. It was, it was the worst. I had going through New York. I spent like an hour and 20 minutes just trying to get over the, the George Washington bridge. It was a standstill horrible. So I would love to say I could sit down and do that while I'm at work, but uh, most likely they've got me doing something random. Darn. Well, Man. at least you get to listen to a podcast, I guess. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, right now, though, um, I'm actually reliving my uh, childhood and listening to audiobooks that I read back in high school and middle school. Um, I don't know if you know The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I recently, because I, I, for the first time I have a commute, I've never really lived or worked further than like a five minute drive away from my home. So now it's like a 33 minute drive every morning. So I've gotten into audiobooks and I've been re listening to all of the wheel of time. And, um, I'm like on book four already. It's, it's actually really kind of enjoyable. It's annoying because people read people's names differently than I had saved in my memory. Oh yeah. Um, so when like they, they like, uh, when they, when they say it wrong, it's, it bothers me and kind of takes you out of the moment. But it is kind of nice, a little, little, uh, I guess you'd say like a little mental vacation while you're driving down the road. It's kind of nice. What kind of books are you into? You into uh, like a little, you know, fiction, nonfiction? What do you know? Um, I've read everything, oh, oh, you know, in the past. Right now, I don't know what I'm reading. I haven't read any books. I have a lot of books around, uh, but definitely they're more nonfiction books about creativity and stuff. But I do enjoy fiction, and uh, I um, a couple of books I've read in the la- last year. It's kind of funny. My son is you know trying to read whatever hundred books or something in a year, and he's doing really well. And then if I go visit him, he usually gives me a bunch of books, or you know, he's like, "I'm not reading these." So I have a stack of them from him, and huh. I think I read two books in January of this year, and <laughs> that was it. And I don't know if I got anything. Done you know it's that. almost January again, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just it's uh it's hard to <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how you do a hundred bucks a year. Like two like, mm, two bucks a week. Yeah, but I mean how big are the books? Like yeah, I was they don't have say, to be giant thick but well, wheel yeah. of time books, yeah, you couldn't do yeah, that. Yeah, they're normal books, normal size books. Yeah. Gotcha. I don't know if I could do that. If you're having me read like a hundred um books about management throughout the year I, I would go crazy no 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 then yeah. you that's all i mean he reads mostly fiction so that's you know fiction i think he's you can definitely do it um oh, all right so i got uh piranesi by Susanna clark okay. and uh i'm supposed to be reading that that's about 300 pages that's normal size i think for like a, a novel or something right yeah i'd so, say so huh. i could probably read that in i don't know probably six hours i think yeah you know so yeah, that's, that's about right you know so yeah, I mean, fifty books a year, I think, would probably be more sustainable. A hundred's a lot, but yeah. The thing is, is like reading a book, you can't multitask. Exactly, right? which is probably good for you. Podcast, music, YouTube videos—you can have playing on the background and pay attention to like sixty percent of it, and still work on something else. Yeah, um, I, that's where I've kind of gotten into the audiobook because I can kind of do it. 
but it, there's a bummer when you're like you get you you get sidetracked and you're not paying attention to what's going on in a story and you're like what did just happen you have to go back to listen to like the previous five minutes of something yeah um, so <laughs> for sure that's kind of a bummer yeah i'm trying to think i was listening to audiobooks too i don't remember if i listened to it lately i was listening to rick rubin's audiobook the okay. creative act and that's pretty good the other one I listened to was, let me see if I can find it. It is Questlove. It's his book about creativity. It's very good. Not familiar with that one. Um, I'm going to see if I can find it here. Yeah. Now the question is, did I buy it in Audible? I think I did. Um, actually, yeah, it's called Creative Quest. But, you know, his name Creative Questlove. Quest. So, yeah, it's really good. Um, and then the other one, I've been... This, let me see if this is the right one. The Man Who Made Things Out of Trees. So that's, um, I'm pretty sure this is the right book. I'm trying to see if it's, I'm trying to get the description of it. He, um, This is a guy who basically um, was interested in, you know, how trees create, you know, a lot of the stuff around us. So he went and he picked the perfect ash tree. So it took him like six months to find the right tree. So he had the tree cut down and then he went to the sawmill and, you know, had them mill all the lumber and then he's trying, you know, he's like, okay, I'm going to make, you know, whatever, make a table and make a, you know, out of all the different pieces, you know, d- different sizes of lumber he gets, he can make different things. So he's learning, you know, how to make all these different things out of the tree. And that he I have never done woodworking before. Is that the, premise? I don't, I'd have to go back. Maybe he has, oh, okay. he's probably right. had, you know, held the saw before. Gotcha. How do that you is know a really the good perfect one. tree? Aren't they all perfect? Well, I mean, he's, I mean, you know, it has to be, a certain size, you know, a certain diameter. Gotcha. If you're trying to make lumber out of it, you want it to be straight, you know, so he's going to all these different forests, you know, where people are managing a forest and trying to find, you know, obviously there's no perfect tree. They're, <laughs> they're all different. Um, but you know, the most perfect tree he could find. Yeah. But that's what makes them perfect is that they're all different. Mm-hmm. We were, uh, I was talking with uh, our buddy Patty the other day, um, about tree houses. Oh, cool. It's kind of kind of a random thing to do. But um do you remember the TV show Treehouse Masters? I watched it a couple times. Um I, like, I mean I always get conflicted with those types of shows, but go ahead. What were you they're, kind of, they're kind of stage drama, right? They're they're not as like fancy as they make them out to be for TV. But how cool of a job would that be that you have a successful business building middle middle to high end tree forts for rich people with too much money. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Heck of a job. Like that like if I want to do a career change, I'd hope I'd fall into a job that was that kind of like self-rewarding just by the the act of the job is the you know, is rewarding. Man, cuz that'd be great. And that that guy I huh. think that they stopped making the TV series, but that guy's still going around making making couple, you know, five six tree houses a year, making enough money for him and his family. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's great. I really love that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, okay, this is, you know, no one can ever build it. I mean, you need a lot, so much money to do this. I remember watching, I don't know if it, this is this old house, and maybe this is in the 90s. Um, they were always going, they're like, oh, we, we're going to visit this, you know, Victorian house, you know, that we found in New England or whatever. And we're like, you know, uh, you know, whatever. It's like an 800 square foot house. And they're like, when they're done building it, it's like 400,000 square foot mansion. It's like, yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, I'm not learning anything here except how to manage a construction site, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is, um, it's interesting, but it's like, 
I want, you know, how do I fix the, how do I fix my toilet? You know, that's, <laughs> it's not that kind of show anymore. Exactly. Um, you know, if you go to the website, they obviously have, you know, home improvement tips and stuff. But no, I don't know weird. when it changed, but yeah. So I, and you know, I've watched all of those, a lot of those different shows, but definitely kind of outgrew that kind of stuff. Well, b- back when it was TV was our only information. It was, I don't know, they were better. And now that there's YouTube, Google giving you all the same information, they had to like make the shows more Hollywoodish, you know, mm-hmm. to make some drama and make some something to make people uh, watch every week. And it's, it became less about the actual trades and the, and the actual work, which is unfortunate. Sure. You know, it's always like, um, uh, what was it stephanie from uncommon uh, outpost she yeah. just did that show and um that seems like it's been pretty good um but most of the other shows are like hey we got our two stars and they're gonna come in and do like five minutes of talking and then there's an army of other contractors that are gonna just slap together a half of a vanity overnight and then they are the the lead character comes back in the next day to talk about how dramatic it was you know <laughs> whatever it's so staged nowadays um, yeah. I'd rather watch like someone on Instagram sharing their daily struggle on a remodel of uh, their bathroom or, you know, with like Stephanie or like uh, Art when um, Art Clements, when he goes and builds a new um, goat cart in his garage, you know, and that's yeah. way more educational than some of the stuff that you people are getting paid to put on television. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Yeah, kind I mean, of absolutely. Sad, kind of sad state of the world we're in, but. It's all about content. It's all about content and creation, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, uh, you know, just I, I try to focus on people who are, you know, actually, you know, doing problem solving and figuring it out along the way. So, Man, that's, you know, that's what I'm interested in. Problems. Yeah. I keep making all this art every week, right? And that's a whole <laughs> different story. Yeah. Um, most of it's bad. Some of it's good. And and I think I'm, I've grown as a per- human to say that. But I am not paying attention to what I'm doing. And now I have a problem is, is that I can't duplicate the good art consistently. Oh, okay. So it, that's a problem. Yeah. You know, do you know the answer to that? Write notes or not change your techniques every other time? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a couple different, it's a couple different ways. Um, yeah. You have to. Yeah, pay attention, and I guess the question is like, when do you realize that this is the good one? Do you realize it like while you're making it? Or when the worst, it, like, yeah, when, when you're all done, you're like, oh man, I don't remember. Yeah, so you do have to take notes. It's called deliberate practice, and this is like a psychological concept. And I've learned about this. And you know, musicians do this because it's if you just practice the same song over and over again, but you don't focus on the specific things you need to improve, right? So that's what you're trying to identify what you want to improve. So pick one aspect of whatever it is, the painting, exactly. drawing the eyes or whatever, right? And you're like, okay, now I'm going to look at wh- what's wrong with these eyes and where do I want to go? And then try again. And then you, you know, identify, you know, the, what's the next step to get better at that thing. So it's exactly. difficult. I don't it, mainly don't do that, but it, I do sound, it sounds, it sounds, it sounds like a very straightforward concept, but in the moment, I never remember to do that. So mm-hmm. I had to put a, I had to put a post-it note up um, on my workbench where I kind of hang out. I have a large monitor and on the bottom, it's a bunch of post-it notes of ideas and things. And I had to take them all down and just put up a note that go, that literally says, think about what you're doing. Try to remember yeah. next time. 
right pay attention <laughs> just, just 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 to just try and get it because um i don't know it's so weird like my entire process is kind of hack hawk you know um kind of tossed together like every other week or so i'll go to hobby lobby i'll pick up a bunch of uh cheap canvases then i'll come home that night and i'll 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 do a bunch of rattle can spray paint backing on them like you know um and then i just stick them in a pile so when i go and just grab a random color that it that appeases me for whatever night drawing is i've already forgotten what i did to create that that um that background so i can't duplicate that color scheme anymore like i don't remember because it's just all tossed together (laughs) and then i'll start drawing something and sometimes i will sketch it out on notebook one time the next time i'll sketch it out on the canvas and then i got a bunch of racer marks in it if you look closely i'm all over the place <laughs> um the only good thing about it is that i am consistently doing it um i think for january i'm gonna can i'm gonna up it to two nights a week I, I i'm literally forcing myself to do it one night a week um because uh people like me there are people like us i guess in, in the maker community we tend to get sidetracked and um for me, I hyper focus on things and then I tend to trail off. So I'm my goal for 2023 and 2024 is to not trail off on this until I get good enough to finish a painting. I started about 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> and then oh, once, wow. I, once I get to that, that, that point, I'll finish that painting. And then I might go and, and stop uh, pushing so far. But I mean, I've got piles of canvases. Done. It was really fun handing them out and tossing them out at maker camp. And I'm gonna have so much more that I might I might ask like uh, um, to like set up a small booth and just have people come stop by and pick up what the ones they want. And, and oh, that'd um, be really cool. Because um, God, right now I'm trying. I'm I'm sorry. I'm, if my mic goes on, I'm trying to count what I have. I have five stacks on my living room coffee table of probably. I think I've probably got fifty already done. And I've only, it's only, I've only, that's in two months worth of work. Just imagine what I'm going to have done in another 10 months. So it should be fun. And like I said, in January, I kind of went up it to two days a week because the, I used to be a creator. I, I used to call myself a, a necessity craftsman. Like you have a problem. I would, I would, I would solve it. I could, if there would be a need. I could solve it. I would do so. And my hobbies were very sporadic. Um, and I've I didn't realize how much benefit I got it from I got it. That's not even a word I got from uh, creating and 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 I mean, as a creator, you know, there's some kind of joy, some kind of dopamine hit from creating something. Of course, And I had never connected how much that I benefited from that. So I'm going to I got I got the routine of once a week um, and then I'm going to probably try and get that more to two or three times a week because it's, it's just i don't know it's it's all about routines and it's all about the process and uh it would be nice to to do it better and do it more frequently um i always make excuses throughout the week too is uh oh well, i gotta go do laundry so i'm not gonna go into the shop and do anything or oh i've got to clean the bathroom or i've got to go and run out and do errands and i don't and that kind of like eats up my day so I'm trying to get around that. I'm trying to undo 45 years of bad ha- habits and create some mm-hmm. new ones for the next 45 years. If that makes sense. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, doing everything week or doing it, you know, once a week at a scheduled time is a great idea. Did you just listen to him making it for this week? No, I didn't. Not yet. Why uh, did that, they talk about that's it? That's what they talked about. 
that's funny because the other week, um, the other week I was, uh, I, I, I was talking with Patty, I think, and um, I was talking about some other concept. She's like, you know, that's the same thing making. It was just talking about. I'm like, how how is this happening? That I'm like a week ahead or a week behind <laughs> these guys. Maybe yeah, they're yeah. listening into me. Right. Yeah. They're they're tapping into your brain. But um, yeah. yeah I think you know, going into the new year, maybe that's instead of just doing random paintings, pick yeah, pick one aspect. So pick the background painting and then kind of, you know, try to, you know, imagine the effect and then try to recreate it in your head and then see how f- close you can get and practice yeah. that yeah. for maybe that's one week. That's all you do. You can do that. And then the next week you, you know, work on the designs or whatever and try to, you know, I mean, that's all you, you can themed weeks is I think you're absolutely yeah. right. A focus mm-hmm. themed week is, is definitely where I should be going with it. Cause it used to just kind of, um, um oh god what's there's a psychological condition where you can look at stuff and you see faces and things inside of like patterns Can't yeah remember what that's called well i kind of do that Cardinal, with yeah. uh yeah i do that with the um with the canvases because i use a lot of like multicolored canvases and i'll just sit there and stare at them until i see something in it and that's how i get some of the weird creatures i make because it's just splatters that's cool i didn't realize that that makes yeah. perfect sense um yeah it's like you're staring at clouds exactly and um that's fun and all, but it's also frustrating because I will not think it all the way through and I'll start scribbling something down and, I've, and, I, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll draw a line in a permanent marker that can't be there. And then because these are like one-off canvases, you can't go and color match and back up without redoing it all. So I think I got to get um, to slow that process down a little bit and maybe um, save some of those canvases. I've got another whole pile of probably 20 what I call ruined or a uh, uh, fire starter canvases of things that I <laughs> was drawing too fast. And if I, there's no way to really correct them um, because I like, like uh, there was one I was drawing last night that uh, one of the last ones I was doing, um, it was this really kind of cool. Um, I'd almost say it was like a seahorse creature with like a, um, with like a hawk's beak almost. And uh, it was really cool and it would have had some really full flow lines to it. But I was drawing so fast on his body that I forgot that if I was to add any appendages, there'd now be these giant black lines to where you'd want to, you know, expand right. the shoulder or something. And now that canvas is ruined because I'm like, well, I can't do anything with that. Um, so I was actually thinking about there's enough of them that I might cut them up and use them as wrapping paper. Uh, that's interesting. I like that. <laughs> yeah, why not? Just, just to recycle them. But, um, you know, like uh, I, I think I shared with you the list I had from last night. Um, that was good. I didn't get through it all. Um, and I also, I thought, actually, I was really fun. I, I asked everyone on Instagram yesterday what I should paint. And that's how I came up with the Santa Slayer one last night, which was kind of fun. Oh, yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Again, again, one of the things I was mad about is I was rushing through and I didn't think about the layout of the front of his, um, uh, what do you call them? Sled skis. So, sure. Um, you won't ever see a picture of that side of the the canvas because it's all kind of mangled. Um, oh no! <laughs> but it was still pretty good. But uh, yeah, it was kind of cool. I, I didn't I didn't understand how polls and questions on Instagram feeds worked, so I just kind of was pushing buttons yesterday at work, and uh, I asked, and you know, like ten ten or fifteen of you guys put in your notes, and I think you and only one other person wanted a landscape. I think it was Chip. Um, and uh, maybe we'll get to one of those. I'm not very good at landscapes and realism. Um, growing up, it doesn't I was, have to be realistic to be a landscape. Yeah, but I mean, like, <sighs> there's good and bad landscapes. 
Like there, 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 there's, 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 there's good and bad. Um, yep. And I know my art's bad. <laughs> you know, like I know, it, I, I know other people like, hey, that's really cool. That's something I can't do. It's great. But for me, I know it's bad. Like it, it, it's, it's basically scribble, scribbles. There was a really well-intentioned comment the other day. He was like, yeah, I really like your little uh, Sharpie drawings. I'm like, they're, they're more than Sharpie drawings, guy. You know, but at the same time, he's like, you're right. They really are just like some marker and some paint and some, they're not like high-end art, you know? Ugh. It's it's all the it's all what is it the uh, in the eye of the beholder right? Sure. I don't know. I mean, if you took you know if you took you know fifty of these and put them all together in a certain arrangement, uh, you could definitely see those you know on a wall somewhere. Um, yeah, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. There's who a, cares? Yeah. <laughs> You're having fun either way, right? So there's a a friend. Um, she does ceramics and she does a lot of these uh, local. Um, uh farmers art markets fair. and art yeah. fair stuff and uh i made her a uh, i made a couple of the people at maker camp some signs for the booths and i made one for hers and i'm like oh, maybe i could like just go to the booth next to her and just hand them out but i don't want i don't want to sell my stuff i don't want to turn into a job right i'd almost be like all right it's one dollar plus a donation you know and then all that money that way i can get something for it and people don't feel like they're getting it for free but um I would never, I would never want to like go, well, you know, this white canvas with three blue dots on it is $4,000 because, uh, you know, I was, I'm something out in <laughs> Like, like I, don't, I, I don't ever want to do that with any of my projects, you know. Um, if it's something like, um, oh, who's our buddy that does the, um, the handmade bed frames? Uh, oh, Dan Harju. Yeah, Dan Harju. Yeah. Um, you know, He's got like 300 hours into a bed frame. That's going to cost oh, you yeah, a penny. Definitely. But if I've got like two hours into some canvas with some goofy alien on it, I'm not going to charge for that. I, if you, if like if someone walked up and said, Oh, I really like that. And I'd be like, Cool. And I'd never look at it again. I'd just let them walk away with it. You, know? you got to share it. You got to like put it out there. Yeah. It's also kind of yeah, like, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, that's definitely a thing. A lot of people do that. Uh, Stephanie has done that. Um, you know, just, you know, put art in random places that, around the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amy Davis Roth, who was on the show way back, um, she, um, she does, does that too. She gets too much stuff in her paintings in her studio. She gives them away. Um, she's like, I want people to have this stuff. You know, I mean, she also does sell them because that's her job. But, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. No reason not to give stuff away if it's taking up space and you want someone to have it. Yeah, like there's some that there there's some that I I, I want to give away, but at the same time, there's some of my favorite pieces I've done in the last couple months, and I'm not sure what to do with them because I've I haven't felt that way about any of my art really because it's usually just like for me the the creation of it is the reward, not the looking at it. <laughs> but there's yeah, there's a couple of pieces I did recently that I'm like, I don't know what I'm I might have to keep onto those for a couple of decades. And that's okay too. You can have some of your own art in your house. Nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. That's no. I I think it should be out there. I liked it because um, like I did one for um, the lady from um, Sabretooth or whatever it is. Um, and it was like uh, I literally just made it for for them, and I said, "Oh, you're the lady in charge." I tossed in her hand and walked off. It was sort of like this guerrilla <laughs> warfare of just like, I didn't say who I was. I didn't say thank you. I didn't say you're amazing. You're cool. Nothing. I just handed her a painting and walked off. That was one of the 
funnest parts about maker camp this last year there are some that i i i didn't want to carry back to the car so i just left them on yeah. people's windshields no awesome. idea if they I liked it. it i don't know i don't know if they threw it out or not you know yeah well i mean hey it's if it's cold they might have needed it so they might have needed it. you're right they were like oh this is definitely some good kindling um, mm-hmm. i like that too there i like I, I like using maker camp as like uh, my little psychological playground because like the year before i handed out the cards to people that that's right yeah this- and i'm still I, I still get a occasional one that will get flipped over and i'm still hoping for like when i'm 85 and we're on the next whatever social media some dude comes and like i held on to this for 30 years and i finally flipped it over and it was pointless i'm like yes i've been i've, I've, been, hold, <laughs> I've been holding a little bit inside your skull for that many years you know yeah um I can't believe I kept this this long and it was exactly. a complete waste of my time. Oh, dude. And some, and some of those were really bad. Like, uh, I remember, um, Justin Dietrich, uh, he got one, um, that any flipped instantly flipped over and it was like, use the abstract theory. Right. Right. Like use it on what, what does this pertain to? What is the abstract theory? Like completely use it when you pointless. need it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, completely pointless. And I bet if he would have held on to that for 15 years and he flipped that over, he would have been mad. You know, that's not that's not like a very, very deep nugget of knowledge. You know, some of the other ones were literally like um, things I, I, I copied off of um, fortune cookies. So, like, there's a couple <laughs> of them, there's a couple of them out there that are just like uh, really Zen like. So we'll see how it goes. But every time, yeah, every time someone sends a picture in and they're like, Hey, I finally flipped over. It's a great little moment. It's like, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. So. Absolutely. All right. I got, I was going back through Instagram. I was like, you know, and you looks like you've got a motorcycle this yeah. year. Is that correct? Um, yeah, that was earlier in the year. That is actually a, uh, 1951 Moto Perella moped slash motorcycle. Okay. Uh, back, then, back then they classified it as a, a mo. They, they didn't have mopeds back then. It was it was a motorized bicycle. I think it's what okay. they called it back then. But yeah, that's a uh, an Italian bike that um they bought the rights to and brought it over, made it in Pittsburgh for about two years, and then stopped. So oh, wow. Techni- so technically, it's a rare bike, but it's not a rare and a ooh that costs money kind of rare. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's, rare and nobody wanted it. Exactly. Um, there, there's a there's a few thousand of them around, but this particular one um, was a a uh, kind of like a extreme bike that they made, like kind of like an off road. So it has like different springs on it and whatnot. And it was even a smaller model they made. But the real problem is, is that most of the components are harder than heck to find. So Darn. it was supposed to, it was supposed to be my winter project, and um, I kind of got sidetracked on on fixing it. It's still sitting. It, it's it's on my it's on my uh, patio on my third floor apartment. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, and the carburetor sitting underneath my kid, my uh, diet or coffee table because I, that's about as far as I made it. And then I started trying to find the exact replacement parts, and it's unobtainium. It's harder than heck. So I kind of got bored. That was that was my hyper focus for a little bit. And honestly, every spring or so, getting right into like the uh, to cart time, I get into more of the mechanic end of it. Um, so right now it's, I'm, I'd say I'm on my softer art skills. Uh, that makes yeah, sense. It was, yeah. really, it, was, it was a really good looking bike. Um, there's a, a lady that had a little pop-up thrift store down in the small town here in called Keysport. I think it is. Um, 
and she kept pushing it in and out every day and she tried selling it. She, she was, she's a pretty good salesperson. She was like, well, I got this father and son. They said they'd be back and they're going to give me this. And then um, I'd actually kind of like kept stopping by for about a year. And then finally she's like, yeah, I'm tired of pushing this thing in and out. And I got it for a really good deal um, with the intentions of getting it up and running again. And then I got sidetracked. Um, it needs Do you all think? Electrical. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, are you, do you want to restore it or can you just get like a different engine or something and put it in? There well, it right now the, the engine works as sparks, but the, it's got a kind of a one-off spark plug and that's been um, damaged where I now have to come up with a different kind of spark plug. Um, I can get it to pop off and run for a while. I was trying to clean out the gas tank. Um, and this was, this had an original 60 some year old uh, patina on it. And I was trying to clean, get the, the, a Bakelite gas cap off. It was a, a type of plastic gas cap on it. It was rusted into place. And I had it flipped upside down in my kitchen sink because I don't have a, a decent workshop. And I was trying to use some some brake cleaner on the inside to like kind of in some WD-40 trying to like loosen it up from the inside. Um, yeah. And I didn't realize that there was a, bre- a breathing hole inside the cap. And that all leaked out around the cap and I ruined the paint job on the tank. So oh, like, shit. So it's not as pristine as it used to be. And that's kind of a bummer. So if I hadn't done that, I would have not restored it. I would have just, I would just got it back up and running and left it as is now. Maybe, maybe there's a chance that I'd actually do a full like powder coat and strip it down. Um, I'm not sure. It's one of those interesting, one of those future Jeremy problems as our friend says, um, that sure. it, it needs, um, it needs a new seat which means that I need to learn how to do better leather working. Right. Yeah. You have and to make so that's, that, that's, that's kind of a skill set that I'm looking for because I can't find one that fits it. Um, I go to a lot of flea markets and whatnot and I keep my eye out for one, but uh, can't just find the right fit. So I've now got to teach myself how to do upholstery and making a seat for it. Um, which is probably something I just remembered I have to do because I, I hadn't thought about it in a couple of days. <laughs> All right. Oh, I'm glad, we, glad you came here. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that was a really good book. That was really good fun. I like that. I like finding unique stuff that people are about ready to throw away. I mean, I think all I think all pack ratters and, and crafts people do that. You know, we all we all have that affinity for the unique. Um, I just happen to like my stuff a little rustier than most other people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like your uh your VW. What do you what do you call that? It's a truck or a it's it's technically it's called a VW transporter. Transporter, um, there you go. Yeah. But it's uh, basically uh, the more common name is a single cab because um, uh, there's a single cab and a crew cab and a cab and a half. Um, and those are the three types of trucks they made during that time period. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it technically his name's Carl. So Carl, okay. Carl. Carl I'll remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. He's he's mad. I haven't I haven't driven him in a while, and I try to I, I go out there about once a, once a week to just start him up and get my. I have a a small collection of cars I don't need. Uh, but really, really enjoy. <laughs> and um, I go out and start them up every now and then. And he did not want to play well this uh, this last time. So I I need to get him out for a run. But um, air-cooled Volkswagens are great. They're amazing. Unless you're in traffic or it's too cold out. <laughs> right. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> they're, 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 they're like the, a perfect weather kind of car. Um, so I got to get him out and run. But it's there's no defrost, right? And the only yeah, heat yeah, on those, those only heat heat on those is actually the radiant heat off of the exhaust 
So if you turn it on, you're more than more likely, you know, inhaling a exhaust fume. So that's no fun. Uh, no, I'm, I'm really surprised that that company's made it as far as they did because it was brilliant engineering, wonderfully designed. But man, by today's standards, they are not safe cars. <laughs> oh, no, no. That is probably one of the most unsafe uh, vehicles that exists. But God, it's, they're so much fun to work on. Like, they're not much more complicated than a lawnmower. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, they're very basic engines and the price, I mean, except for like some of the, I'd say like bezels and some of the hood ornaments and some of the window frames and like trim stuff. Most of the parts oh, great calibers are really expensive, but most of the parts are really inexpensive. I think when I bought, when I bought that truck, I went on to a couple websites and I bought just about everything I need to keep it on the road. And I think I spent like 600 bucks for like 80 parts. Wow. So it's very inexpensive to keep some of them running, you know. Um, but then there's other things like there's um, the the sides of my truck bed fall, fold down and those panels are not being reproduced because there's so few of those trucks in the United States that there isn't a market for reproducing those panels. Um, so it's going to be a project I have to do one day is to actually uh, redo those by hand, which would be fun. But metalwork like that is a pretty lengthy process and i have three almost nine foot or two two almost nine foot panels that i'd have to do and then the four foot across the back and that's that's going to be hours upon hours worth of work to repair it'll be fun but it's not something you can do in an apartment parking lot so it's it's on the bucket list basically yeah we gotta get you a a a garage with some metal working tools for sure and a nice mechanic tool set It'd be so nice. And my boss, he's a heck of a nice guy, um, but he's a kind of stickler for the rules. So at Domino's, I used to be able to use a lot of the shop for my personal time. As long as I proved I wasn't on the clock and I wouldn't hurt myself. I can't do that at my current job. So I have, I have two different warehouses here in Jersey that I could easily repair probably 15 cars in because there's just extra space, but he won't let me do it because if it wouldn't be right, it'd be, it'd go against insurance policies. I'm like, I wouldn't tell if you don't tell, you know? Yeah, it's a bit of a liability. I can understand it. It's, it's but it's a it's bummer. Complicated. I yeah. walk by all this space, going, "Yeah, I could have my Volkswagen tour apart right there and back together in like two months instead of, well, maybe in two years I'll have a place to do it in." Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's a problem for everybody, unless unless you unless you're blessed like uh, um, some of the other people that live out in the further parts of the country where they're like, you know, me and my forty five acres uh farmland got three pole <laughs> yeah. barns, you know. Those are uh, those are kind of fortunate people, but if you're a city-fied person or a suburb guy, there's not a lot of space to do big projects. Yeah, for it's sure. Kind of a bummer. Yeah. Yep. That's why I got to do small projects sometimes. So, yep, that's um, good for the. Uh, are you going to build a new go kart uh, for so this year? I'm I'm going to be honest with everyone listening. I kind of feel like a failure. Cause I did not get mine finished for last year and it's still sitting where I left it in July. And I feel even worse because I haven't talked to Jimmy about it. And, uh, I don't oh, know. What is it still, his, it's still, still it's still, it's still sitting on the go-kart track. It's still sitting there. I left half my tools and like two totes worth of parts and gas and oils there. Um, and Jimmy was like, cool. Jimmy is never not cool about anything. But when I talked to him that weekend, I was like, Hey, um, I'm just going to leave it here. I'll come back up for maker camp and I'll grab it in October. And he's like, yeah, no problem. Maybe we'll do something with, who knows, you know, like Jimmy does. He's very, um, 
cordial about that kind of thing. And then I forgot it at maker camp and then I was back up there a month or so ago, um, hitting up there and I forgot to grab it then. And, um, I haven't talked to Jimmy about it, so hopefully he's not upset with it just sitting in his, on his track. Um, but because of that, because I didn't finish it, uh, I don't know if I'm worthy enough to try another cart. Do you think you could finish that one? Probably. I need to do, I, I want it. It'd be amazing to get it fixed, uh, the finished. Um, but uh, I need I need space. It's one of those things that you really got to engineer, and um, okay. I'd like to get that into a, a a work spot where I can. It's like my problem is most of the go karts I build are on the back of my Volkswagen, and my complex is really great about that. They don't mind that you do that kind of thing, but they want everything put away by dusk. So it's very yeah. hard for me to get into a project that I can't finish in eight hours. Um, and trying to build on the back of a truck bed, it's, it has its limitations. Um, for sure. So I, for that one, I need a lot of engineering up front because I did in a completely wooden frame and um, kind of eyeballed all the geometry. So trying to get the steering up there is going to be probably another three full work days of work just to get it to function and then maybe another three after that to get to work right. So there's a lot of work left in that. Um, I kind of bit off more than I could chew. But uh, there's also, but for this next year, I don't know. We haven't talked about it other than what we um, did in passing at Maker Camp, which was like uh, more stringent rules, uh, more safety, uh, maybe having different types of vehicles not run together. And that's all we've talked about it. Um, Last year at this point, we had already had a theory about making wood, uh, wooden carts, uh, at least. Okay. There's an unspoken rule that Jimmy and I have a theme. <laughs> Everyone else just builds oh, okay. a go kart and shows up, but like mm-hmm. every year he 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 mentions something off the cuff, and then I take him literally and I follow suit. Right, right. So, so he from previous years he had the idea of this like model A one that he made this last year in his head, you know, some would finish, but he had mentioned it at the 2022 event like you know maybe we'll do wood carts and I'm like haha yeah we will and i was like oh no no i'm gonna build one out of wood yeah I'm gonna do it. <laughs> you know so we haven't had that conversation um so i don't have a spark of inspiration for this next year's build um it may be another handmade one um because uh my quad speeder that i built the electric one beforehand still technically was in a prototype stage so i may either finish that up and make that more reliable. Um, cause I, again, it was, I, 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 I come up with these grand ideas to make these things and I do execute them, but I don't go back to like reiterate them and make them safer. You know, I'm kind of like a, okay, I got to run it. And then I move on to the next project, which is, um, kind of bad. So the, um, the quad speeder needs to be worked on. I have an old, um, Oh God, I can't remember it. Not the Briggs and Stratton. Stutton, Stutton Brothers one I have was from like 1947 or something. Um, that one needs to be fixed because the chain keeps popping off and I've barely got it to go more than 20 feet. So I've got some work to do. Um, and then I got my Thunderbird, which is my favorite one. I still got plans to make an adult size version of that. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a, I have an uncle who uh, spent his entire career working in a, a boat manufacturer and he does everything about fiberglass so every couple of months I have a long conversation with them about how to do fiberglass and what I need to do. So I'd like to make that same. Cause that, that 
that that go-kart has beautiful lines i don't know what it was about the 70s or what it was in the water if it was in the food or if it was just better drugs back then but the designers of the 70s knew how to do body lines on a vehicle they just they just they just they just like the the universal line and said hey all these vehicles are just gonna look good most of them are horrible like most of the vehicles from the 70s are just big gas guzzling junk but they all had really nice lines on them they always had good flow and these goat carts were no different there's another one that i found recently um that was from the same era and it's it's just as beautiful um when i say i'm trying to remember what it was called um sorry there's a uh I have a huge list of saved vehicles and whatnot on marketplace. <laughs> I got to scroll through, but it's got that. Anytime you get like anything from the seventies and it has like tons of metal flake in the paint and some kind of gaudy color. There you go. It's beautiful. You know, um, Oh, excuse me. No, the listing's gone. Shoot. I had another really great, like, um, it was like the boar's head or whatever. It was like some really great uh, uh, name for a 70s goat cart. But apparently cool. the list is gone. I should have saved it. But it, it it looked like a... It was in the same vein as my Thunderbird was. It just had a... It looked more like a Baja cart, if that makes any sense. More like a sand yeah, yeah. money. Mm-hmm. It was really super yep. cool. Um, ooh. See, I should have never clicked on this. I tried. I try to only look at marketplace once a day because um, it, it, it could get get expensive really quick. Yeah, I'm also looking for my next my next project vehicle. Um, so, uh, Carl, my Volkswagen is a, a very great vehicle for carrying go karts to Jimmy's, but it's not a very good vehicle for long distance travels, and it's kind of. Um, it has its pros and cons. So I'm now looking for some other type of vehicle that will make the same kind of statement when I bring up more go karts in July. So my next, I'm, I'm just trying to find another zany vehicle. Like I want to be like, if, if I could continue being healthy and successful as I, I think I am here in life, I kind of want to be the guy that just shows up with another wacky car at every maker event. <laughs> That'd be cool. Isn't that kind of like a daydream? That's just this daydream that I have. I'm like, yeah, I like, I kind of, I kind of like flipping cars. I like driving things that aren't traditionally comfortable because most old cars are not. Um, I don't mind. Like I don't have a wife and kids in the back car. So I don't mind if I'm broken down on the side of the highway for three hours, you know? Um, Right. I think that adds to the adventure. So I've been looking at a lot of old, like uh, 50s and 60s panel trucks. Maybe something I can actually actually, um, tow a, uh, trailer or something you know so i can fit a little bit more because right now i've got five goat carts six if i ever get the wooden one uh the splinter up and running um, oh wow and that's a lot to bring Splinter. back and forth <laughs> yeah yeah that's the wooden one that's sitting up in jimmy's um that's a lot to bring back and forth every year for a couple hours fun um and i can't fit more than three on the back of carl even though it is a fairly large bed so i've got to find something that can tow a little bit more which all right if you didn't know this, the reason I have Carl is because of Jimmy and the go-kart track. And I didn't know that. It's the first year I went up there. I drove my, my Oh four Wrangler and you can't, and I came back. I'm like, man, I want my own go-kart. 
And I was like, okay, that's great. But how am I going to get it up to Jimmy's? So I went yeah, on marketplace. I went, yeah, I can't fit much in the back of a Jeep. Um, so I went on marketplace and I was looking for a trailer and Carl, my, the Volkswagen was like the fifth lit posting on marketplace. And I'd never seen one before. And I was like, this is amazing. And I had cash at the time. And I was like, okay. So that following weekend I went out and bought Carl because I was looking for a trailer to hold, to carry goat carts to Jimmy's, right. <laughs> which is kind of weird how that all works out. You know, and I still never got my trailer, but I got a hell of a nice truck out of it. So that's technically that's technically my first classic car. Like I've had lots of cars, but that was my first classic. And I didn't realize how fun of a community that was to be a part of because like people turn in their heads and they wave and want to take pictures and whatnot or they honk at you. That's kind of cool. It's 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 kind of cool, fun, fun to be, you know, and you always get better parking. Um. Because people were like, oh, I don't, oh, that's classic car. So you're always, they're always like, they don't park really close to your vehicle so that you don't get dings in it. It's really nice. It's kind of like an unknown benefit of classic cars that people tend to stay away from. I didn't know that. Yeah. There's a um, English Town Speedway uh, here in, I think it's called English Town, New Jersey. They they have a uh, swap meet twice a year and it's like $10 to get in. But if you're in a classic car, it's 12 and you get to park in the middle of it on this racetrack. So like there's even the, that better benefit. So yeah, I, can, I can join a car show that I don't really care about winning, um, pay two extra dollars and I get like front row parking. It's, there's some benefits to having classic cars, I got to say. Yeah, sounds like it. That was a little bit All of right. a rant. You got me looking at go-karts now again. Yeah, dude, there's some they're so fun. Um, Yerf dogs. Dude. Uh, yeah, um, I got, are, there's one of those. Those are those are probably what I would say the. How do I say this? There is a baseline for value to investment, right? Mm-hmm. And those those are very easy to drive. They're easy to maintain. There's thousands of parts for them. They're, the the form yeah. factor is comfortable for both adults and kids. That that kind of cart is very popular and is very they're readily available. Um, and you just can't go wrong with it. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Cool. Yeah. But then there's a lot of there's a lot of random ones out there. There's a lot of homemade stuff that um is always fun because you like you know 20 years from now some guy's gonna be going through my estate sale and selling all off mine and it'll be this treasure for some kid you know that was you know that's like us you know and they'll be like oh look at this really classic Thunderbird and it'll be a new treasure for them. Um, but I'll, they're also probably be in that estate sale a couple of hand built, handmade ones, because um, I I don't think Art Clemens is the only one that needs to be uh, building his own frames. I think that I can no. do the same, and I need to give him a run for his money. Um, yeah, you definitely you gonna need to uh, <laughs> borrow someone's shop for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Metal, oh god, metal work is so hard. Like when I was building the um, axle for Splinter for this last go kart event. I had to weld on my patio on a third floor apartment, which is not the safest damn thing to do in the world. doesn't matter that I had two fire extinguishers and a bucket of water. It's not safe. It's not smart to do, you know, and there's no sense burning down your apartment for a go-kart. But yeah, I need a, I need a, I need a shop in the worst way. Totally. Have you seen uh, James from American metal fabricators? So he made a, he, 
welded up a frame and built it. Did he? The go-kart, yeah. I don't think I have seen that one. I I don't know if it's in his, if it's just in his stories or what, but yeah. I don't remember seeing that. I know if one of the guys was, we were talking about, um, Tony from, uh, working hands, um, or I can never remember his actual site. Woodland Uh, iron. Woodland irons. Yeah. We're, he was sharing one where it was an adult sized, um, uh, power wheel that the, that the guy built. And that was, that was (laughs) pretty beefy. I mean, it it was another electric one, but it was doing wheelies uh, with a 200 pound shop monkey in it. So that was kind of impressive. Yeah. No, James made the gas powered coffee machine. Yes. Yeah. That was at the last time. So that's right. That was really bad, but really tasty coffee. Oh, interesting. Because the filtering system. So there's a couple of grounds in it. But God, that one, I always, okay, I like my Guinness. And occasionally when I'm at up in the Catskills, I might have a hangover in the morning because people like to drink and and we're very social. So that coffee saved me that day because it was the only like caffeinated, like jolt of life that was available um, without driving (laughs) down to, um, you know, like the uh, The milk milk run or whatever. Yeah. So that, that, that coffee was the best thing I had seen in weeks. Um, so hats off to you for making that. Thank you, sir. Um, if he's listening. Yeah. 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 Awesome. All right. Well, if people want to see some of your art and what you're working on, where can they go? Um, well, I'm basically on Instagram. It's mostly accurate with a typo. So you swap around the U and the R, um, it's either that, or it's a, um, you can look for the icon of the, uh, unicorn squirrel um but i'm mostly accurate and I, I i post a lot of stuff there and um and any maker events so that's about it that's awesome i didn't know that uh, it wasn't spelled correctly <laughs> <laughs> um so mostly accurate is actually taken and it's a defunct um uh account that they won't give me the actual name to so um, oh dang yeah so well, I mean, obviously, and uh, spelling it wrong uh, fits in perfectly with the. Uh, it does. It does. Name. But it's harder than heck for um. Because I, I have to go undo autocorrecting if I if I type it into a web browser, um, and then people think I'm an idiot because they don't get the joke. Sometimes they're like, "Oh, this guy's got typos in his business cards." Um, <laughs> so, well, if they don't get the yeah. joke, then you don't. It's it, yeah. you know, not worth hanging out with anyway. Yeah. And and it used to be because at my at a handyman. Uh, side hustle in Chicago that was called mostly accurate repairs and suggestions. Mm-hmm. That was as in my entire company name. And I used to have mostly accurate on there. Um, and then when Instagram came around, it, I was forced to have the typo in it. So I had to go back onto my business cards and scratch out the correct spelling and put in the wrong spelling. So people would know how to find me, um, which just caused confusion. So I don't know if it's good business practice practice to have something that most people don't even realize is misspelled. So, um, it is yeah, what it well, is though. As long as it's fun. Yeah, exactly. And most most of the people I hand those things out to, they get it. They they understand. They're cool like us. They're they're part of what I call the cool kids. So oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. All right. Well, and I just want to take a second to thank my patrons over on Patreon who helped make the show happen. Uh especially my top tier patrons, Ed Jones, Sean Beckner, and Brian Callahan. If you want to support the show and get access to the after show, 
where we have some more conversation with our guests, you can go to patreon.com slash making problems to solve. And you can also follow the show on Instagram at making problems to solve. And you can follow me on Instagram at Dave Bauer art. Uh, thanks a lot for hanging out with me today. It, it was actual real joy. I appreciate being here. Thanks everyone.